This is Illinois in Focus. For the Center Square, I'm Cole Lauterbach. Coming up in this program, we'll look ahead to more fallout from the continued spread of COVID-19 and potential measures that Illinois could take up, as well as Governor J.B. Pritzker's latest announcements on their continued response to the pandemic, and get commentary from Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. But first, here are some of the top stories from the past week. Layoffs and forced closures have resulted in a spike of unemployment applications 10 times higher than what they were the whole month of March last year. On the first day of major economic ramifications of the fight to contain the coronavirus, more than 64,000 workers filed for unemployment claims between Monday and Wednesday. Rob Carr with the Illinois Retail Manufacturers Association says the job losses are in nearly every employment sector. No, I don't think the majority. I think that it's, it's diffused. I, I was just on a briefing call with uh, the Department of Employment Security this morning. Uh, it's across all industries. I mean, as you've probably seen in the news, Cole, you're seeing factories close down lines um, for non-essentials, right? You know, food factories aren't closing, but like the car factories are closing, as an example. Um, so, no, it's across all industry industries. Springfield restaurant worker Jennifer Dorgan says she and other co-workers can't file for unemployment benefits because problems with the state's unemployment office, which is mostly closed to prevent spreading COVID-19. When I go onto the website and enter my information, it says it cannot validate who I am. Dorgan says three quarters of a restaurant's staff has been laid off. With a message of moderation, former Vice President Joe Biden trounced Bernie Sanders to win Illinois' Democratic endorsement for president. Biden has countered the U.S. Senator from Vermont's passionate case for democratic socialism with a tagline of, People want results, not revolution. Apparently it played in Peoria and many other parts in the state, as Biden went on to garner nearly 70% of the vote compared to Sanders' 36%. Biden thanks supporters via Facebook from his home in Delaware. It looks like once again, in Florida and Illinois, we're still awaiting to hear from Arizona. Our campaign has had a very good night. We move closer to securing the Democratic Party's nomination for president. And we're doing it by building a broad coalition that we need to win in November with strong support from the African-American community, the Latino community, High school educated people, educated people like the folks I grew up with in my old neighborhood, labor, teachers, suburban women, veterans, firefighters, and so many more. And we're doing it with a common vision. He took time to address the coronavirus and how the country needs to move past politics to mitigate the pandemic. You know, it's a moment like these we realize we need to put politics aside and work together as Americans. The coronavirus doesn't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. It will not discriminate based on national origin, race, gender, or your zip code. It will touch people in positions of power, as well as the most vulnerable people in our society. We're all in this together. This is a moment for each of us to see and believe the best in every one of us, to look out for our neighbor, to understand the fear and stress that so many are feeling to care for the elderly, the elderly couple down the street, to thank the health care worker, the doctors, the nurses, the pharmacists, the grocery store cashier, and the people restocking the shelves. 
The preliminary results show Biden has earned 93 of Illinois' 184 Democratic delegates. Retired Lake County Sheriff Mark Curran bested Peggy Hubbard, Bob Marshall, Tom Tarter, and Casey Klebeck in the GOP primary. He'll face longtime U.S. Senate mainstay Dick Durbin, the Springfield Democrat who's seeking his fifth term. Curran told supporters from his home that he looked forward to facing off against Durbin in November. You know, essentially it's on in November. We're ready to run. We want all the support we can get to, to come after Dick Durbin. So, uh... God bless. Stay safe. He thanked them for venturing out into polling places, knowing the coronavirus pandemic meant they were putting themselves in danger. It was a uh, act of bravery on some level just to get out to the polling places, knowing that uh, the coronavirus is with us. Durbin is seeking his fifth term in the Senate. He ran unopposed in the Democratic primary. Hundreds of thousands of churchgoers will be at home Sunday after some of the state's largest religious institutions closed their doors due to the state crowd bans put in place to prevent the spread of the new coronavirus. The Catholic Archdioceses of Chicago and Joliet, along with several other denominations, have canceled their weekend services or are streaming them online. The governor has strongly suggested events expected to draw more than 250 people be postponed as well. Pritzker addressed the order Thursday. They will not be allowed to host those uh, gatherings uh, of over a thousand. I realize that's a hardship. Um, perhaps they can have multiple uh, services um, and, and cut the number down per service. But yes, that's what we're telling people. The Archdiocese represents nearly 2 million Catholics in Cook and Lake Counties. Other congregations like the Eastview Christian Church in Bloomington Normal will draw thousands every weekend. Pritzker said Thursday that officials will instruct local law enforcement agencies to break up the events that disregard the ban. The Better Business Bureau is warning people to be wary of scams involving the spread of novel coronavirus at the center of a global outbreak. Steve Barnes of the Better Business Bureau of Chicago and Northern Illinois says the scammers are already finding ways to exploit the spread of COVID-19, the coronavirus that emerged from China in 2019. Obviously, this coronavirus is in the headlines today and continues to be in the headlines, so they, uh, the scammers will try to profit uh, as quickly as possible from situations like this. The public should be on the lookout for fake emails or social media posts that claim to be from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention or other health organizations, especially if they're asking for information or money. Barna says legitimate organizations rarely contact people that way and don't ask for personal information. So one number one scam we're basically seeing in this type of arena right now is that they're bogus products that claim to prevent or cure the coronavirus itself. Illinoisans again paid the highest state and local tax burden in the nation. Financial service website WalletHub has ranked Illinois 51st in terms of overall taxpayer burden at the state and local level. WalletHub researchers determined this by finding the median U.S. household and averaging local property gas and excise taxes in each state and then tack on the income tax rate. Including 2020 figures, WalletHub spokeswoman Jill Gonzalez says Illinoisans paid more than $9,000 per household. The tax rate is a lot higher than the rest of the U.S. by about 40%, so that's a relative number. Uh, so that's a huge number, but when we're looking at how much is actually paid, 
because we're looking at the state as a whole, again, so not just the metro areas, but the more rural areas too, and because home prices are a little bit cheaper, uh, especially as you get more rural, that's why that number is a little bit lower than, say, just looking at this at a country level. While Illinois has consistently had the highest tax burden in recent years, Gonzalez says a number of other Midwest states have increased taxes as well. Midwest is really getting up there in terms of tax rates. So Iowa, Ohio, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Kansas, all also in the bottom 10 here. Illinois ranked 51, but Kansas not too far, 47th, Nebraska 46, Wisconsin 45, Ohio 44, Iowa 43rd. And this is a trend that we've been seeing lately. Those are the top stories of the week. You can find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus. I'm Cole Lauterbach. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to... Illinois in Focus. This is the Crosstalk segment powered by the Center Square in Illinois. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square, joined as per normal by Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm wondering what we're going to talk about this week. Not much news going on. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, this is a slow news week. Um, that is, of course, uh, facetiousness. Facetiousness. I kind of wish it weren't, though. I kind of wish it weren't, too. You know, I mean, COVID-19, uh, COVID the coronavirus, uh, and the spread around uh, the country, and certainly in you know certain parts of the world, um, now is, you know, spread to Illinois. And, and we're about, I don't know, I think our reality around this is maybe 10 days old at this point. We're, we're taping this podcast on Thursday, and uh, we will, over the course of the next however many minutes Dan and I choose to chat, uh, we will drop in a few reminders that, hey, you know, the news is moving quickly, so don't certainly don't lean on this as gospel um, because uh, this is a news event that continues to evolve. But, um, yeah, COVID-19 is a, is, is a mess, and um, people are scared. There's a lot of things that are closing. You have governments that are, you know, local you know, certainly you know, local governments and state governments, the federal governments are all making decisions about you know, what's in the best interest of the people. And it's kind of confusing because they, they, don't, they aren't always in agreement. Um, we have some people that are still working uh, in uh, public workplaces, and we have some people who are not. Uh, schools are closed. Most libraries are closed. Um and uh, it's moving in a direction that's that's um, it's a little bit ominous. But uh, let's pull back from that just for a second and just kind of talk about sort of covering this story this week. I mean, the Center Square did an outstanding job here in Illinois. Dan, um, what are some of the key points uh, in, in sort of uh, if we pause the story as much as we can? What are some of the key points that people in Illinois need to hear? Well, one is that of course the number of cases the number of uh, confirmed cases of COVID-19 in, in Illinois and the country of course they're going to rise don't be alarmed um, by how far they rise and how quickly they rise test testing has has really been nominal up to this point and testing is going to start increasing so the more testing there is of course there's going to be more 
um, confirmed cases. Right. Um, as of this, as of us broadcasting here on Thursday, there there are 288 cases in the state of Illinois. Um, as we talked about in pre-production, um, you know, Illinois has 12.7 million people. So 288 cases isn't a lot. But if by Saturday you hear it's up to 1,000, um, and it very well could be. We don't know. As you said, it's it's changes by the hour. Um, that's not really, don't be alarmed about it. Now, that doesn't mean don't take precautions. Absolutely, um, you know, wash your hands constantly. Um, stay six feet or further away um, from people who aren't in your family. Um, uh, cover your mouth when you cough. The basic stuff. Absolutely do that. Um, but expect that the numbers are going up and each time you hear a new update with that, you shouldn't be further alarmed about it because it's going to happen. Expect it. Yeah. I think that, I think that's, that that's very cogent thinking. Um, let's look at some of the stories that sort of inside of this COVID-19, um, you know, as it pertains to Illinois, uh, St. Patrick's Day kind of came and went with, uh, you know, with a whimper, uh, rather than a, a blast. Um, normally on St. Patrick's Day, um, you and I might find ourselves in a, a local drinking establishment uh, celebrating uh, the Irish Saints uh, Day. Um, didn't do that this year because you couldn't because the bars were all closed. But we had an election day and the election polling places were open in large part with the exception of like a handful of places where A, election judges didn't show up. Or B, they had already decided not to have them there because of the high density of, of seniors. Um, you know, a lot of elections are held in senior centers or actually in homes, um, rest homes, or, or I don't know, I'm not sure what the correct terminology be, would be, places where elderly people uh, live together. Um, should that have happened? Other states decided uh, no election. Um, Illinois, we plowed forward. Yeah, that's a that, that's a tough one, um, Chris. But if you're if you're sh if you're shutting down restaurants and bars, at least dining in at restaurants and bars and other locations uh, and other businesses, um, because of the fear that people congregating in them would spread the virus, well, if people need to congregate to go vote, right? So it, it seems like a contradiction uh, from on the governor's part, um, um, allowing the election to go forward when he's shutting down private businesses um there would have been no harm in postponing it the same day uh on tuesday um, ohio was scheduled to vote um their governor decided to postpone it into june um you, you, you and i are both voters you go to the polling place who are the workers at the polling places oh my goodness the people who are most vulnerable from um covid19 i would have i would have had no problem um, in fact, I probably would have supported him shutting down the election. I guess we're going to have to find out, you know, hopefully, not, particularly none of the poll, poll workers who were um, who are more vulnerable. Hopefully none of them get sick from it. I'm with you on that. I, you know, it's, um, you get the you know, you you get the sort of that uh, that ticket when you vote, you know, um, and it tells you, you know, what number you were. I voted at I think it was a. 12 minutes after seven o'clock and the polls i believe opened at seven forgive me this has been a this has been one of those weeks where it feels like there's been a, just a month's worth of stuff to think about in the process but i was voter number nine um, at what time did you say 
I think I was like 12 minutes after the polls opened. I think it was 7:12, you know, when I walked in there. You know, I went I went and grabbed some drive-through coffee and then I drove over there and uh and and voted. Um but it was uh it was it was pretty empty. And um, you know, I mean, I guess being the the ninth person to vote is not really all that all that significant, but um I, I think voter turnout overall will be interesting to interesting to watch and see, you know, once we have final final numbers from aggregate across the state what percentage of people went and voted in the primary i'm going to guess that it's 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 off and primaries typically are much much smaller um pools of people than generals but i'm going to guess that this is maybe approaching a, a historic low on a percentage of eligible voters basis yeah particularly on the republican side because you know there you, you, the, at the top of the ticket was the presidential primaries right. um but uh, uh President Trump is a foregone conclusion to be the uh, the the GOP nominee, so less of a reason for Republicans to vote. Of course, um, on the Democratic side, you did have uh, former Vice President uh, uh, Joe Biden um, and uh, Senator uh, Bernie Sanders uh, squaring off in Illinois. Biden won pretty pretty overwhelmingly. Yes. That that at least gave some Democrats uh, uh, more of a reason to go to the polls, but I wouldn't be surprised if one, across the board, voter turnout was down. Number two, Republicans was probably just through the floor. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's probably clo but really close to zero. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you'd, you'd referenced the governor earlier, uh, Governor Pritzker, and the, like, methodology by which he's managed this public health emergency. Um, it seemed as if at the end of last week and through the weekend, and again, this is a story that really doesn't have any breakpoints. You know, they're typically state, federal government do slow down. At least the conversations slow down over a weekend. In this case, or in, in this situation, that was not the case. Um, it seemed as if Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker was laying a lot of blame on the White House and on President Trump for inaction and not, you know, creating a direction for states. Um, he sort of leaned on that, you know, uh, to defend whatever he had or had not done to that point. Um, my question is, you know, it's, are we investing at the state level to deal with disasters and emergencies? And shouldn't we as a state maybe be a little bit more prepared for something like this? I mean, if they're, if, you know, feature length films have been made about such a scenario um, for quite a while, um, they jokingly have funded, not necessarily in Illinois at the state level, but at local levels and around the country, these quote unquote zombie apocalypse drills in public places and public spaces, whether it's, you know, local government or capitals or, or in schools, shouldn't we have been better prepared? Should there not have been a playbook? And and why 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 does it seem like we're making these decisions uh, arbitrarily and on some level capriciously right now? Well, let's just talk about that at a state level for a moment. 100% I agree with you. We should we should have been uh, better prepared. I think you can probably say that um, across the board um, from both the federal level and um, the state level. But just the fact that 
particularly Democratic governors like uh, uh, Pritzker and, and New York Governor um, Cuomo uh, did the same thing, essentially pointing the fingers at um, at President Trump for their lack of decisiveness about what uh, what needed what needed to be done is it's it's passing the buck. I mean, um, and and really, if you it's if you watch the President Trump is having daily news conferences now just to update the the public as he probably should. Great, but right. if you listen to the questions he gets um, from the national media after uh, 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 when he's done speaking, the questions are all the line along the lines of, "Well, why didn't you do this back then? Why did why why are you so late in responding?" Yeah. Um, but then when you watch the state media um, um, cover Pritzker, it's a completely different atmosphere. Um, it, it, it's it's not uh, not second guessing him. Um, about decisions he made a week or two weeks ago, or a week or two weeks late, um, it's it's much more friendly. So it's just it's 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 consistent with how the media covers, you know, a, a, a President Trump versus how they cover Democratic politicians. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting to watch the um, trickle down effect of this, like into into cities and and municipalities, has been interesting. You know, Champagne at the end of last week had put together a bunch of measures where they were, um, and this would be the, the, the city council or the, the city board, you know, for, um, uh, for Champaign, Illinois, where the University of Illinois is. And um, they were talking about, I mean, some really, really aggressive measures. I mean, like, you know, seizing gasoline stations, um, you know, shutting, you know, specific businesses down, gun shops, uh, liquor stores. Um, it was a very, very odd thing to see. And now Oak Park, uh, which is a suburb of Chicago, um, is, is virtually doing, you know, the, the same thing, but but not to the same extreme. You know, they've already issued, a, you know, a shelter in place and as we, uh, for the residents in Oak Park, and as we're looking at, you know, sort of the what's to come over the next few days, and again, we, we're encouraging people to stay up with the news because the news is moving quickly. Chicago uh, Mayor uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, has a press conference scheduled for late this afternoon uh, where some are speculating that she's going to ask the, the, the residents of the city of Chicago to shelter in place. So it's... um. It's just like what you know. What uh, what guidance are these cities acting upon? You know what what how how are they formulating these decisions? I mean, wh where's the playbook at the local level? Well, yeah, Oak Park did it, and, and well, let me first explain shelter in place because honestly, until San Francisco did it uh, several days ago, I, I, I was not familiar with the term. Shelter in place essentially means it's it's one step before uh, a, um, almost a complete quarantine. Um, people are not supposed to leave their homes uh, for non-essential reasons. You can go to the grocery store, you can go to the doctor, you can't go get a haircut, you, you can't just um, you, you know go to a, a, a department store or whatever. Now, many department stores are closing now. Um, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the, a lot of the malls up in, you know up around Chicago uh, announced they're closing right. uh, tonight, I believe is, yeah. is at the end of business today. But so the, yeah, the, so the shelter in place order in Oak Park, similar to what's in, in San Francisco, it bans people to their home unless they have an essential need outside of the home. If they're in an, an essential job, you know, healthcare, um, food delivery, um, stuff like that, you can go to work. 
but you're not supposed to go to work if you're in an honest what's you know what they're terming a non-essential job so i would fully expect as as we've been saying you know pay attention to your local news because it evolves almost by the hour it seems um, but i would expect more illinois communities to take such a drastic measure whether it's justified or not I guess I'm not qualified to say, but it is very, it's extremely drastic. Um, um, you, you're talking about constitutional issues. Like Champaign, for example, as you mentioned, um, uh, they gave their mayor the power, if the mayor chooses, to, to ban the sale of uh, firearms. How is that not a violation of the Second Amendment? Yeah, it's, 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 it's absolutely crazy, as if there aren't enough obstacles in the way for, for people in Illinois, you know, with the requirement of a FOID card. Um, and then, you know, the waiting period and yeah, it's just, it's just, a, it's, it's, we already have so many laws that lay on top of each other. And, and, uh, I think that people maybe, you know, in a crisis such as this, get to see how little freedom they may have, um, after government inter intervenes, um, you know, it's often been said, never let a, a good crisis go to waste. Uh, it will be interesting to see how cities in particular and towns you know how they act and how they behave and what their relationship is with their communities um whether there's a lack of trust there um government you know is a sort of a know-all uh entity mm, i'm not buying that um that, that's my personal opinion um i completely appreciate the idea of of, of making an alert available to people in a time such as this but my goodness, I mean, the, the depths of the of the uh, powers that were being considered in Champaign, it uh, were just the if if they if they weren't so idiotic, they'd be laughable. Um, and then certainly, what's going on in Oak Park? That's that's odd behavior. Why Oak Park might have, you know, some issue that the rest of the Chicago suburbs uh, doesn't have. I'd like to understand that more clearly. We are really beating the snot out of small and mid-sized mid-size businesses right now in particular um, you know local restaurants and bars and, and, and retail establishments this is going to be very 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 difficult to justify after the fact in my opinion there probably are other ways that we can be dealing with um, you know people in areas such as that like you know, ramping up the hygiene and maintaining some distances um, well, we're already hearing that there's been a spike in un, uh, unemployment filings in illinois i don't have yeah. a number yet we are uh, chasing that um today and you know the longer this things lasts you know the the, the higher that number's um likely going to go this is going to have a just the, the, the reaction to this is going to have a devastating uh, impact on illinois uh funny we did a story this week um, about states' rainy day funds. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, Illinois doesn't have a rainy day fund, uh, despite, uh, what, 12 years of uh, uh, unprecedented economic growth. Um, um, uh, Illinois what, didn't put any money away uh, to save for times like these. We've got nothing. Our bank is, uh, it's empty. Um, so taxpayers in the state are going to, uh, are, are going to, as much as we complain on ta about ta high, the already high taxes in the show, taxpayers are going to take it uh, when this is all said and done. Oh, yeah. $41 billion and not enough to get it done. Um, 
you know, there's there's more required to feed this beast, uh, it, you know, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens. The attitudes of people, their understanding, you know, of um, sort of what government has done for them lately in the context of this pathway uh, to elections. And, and I'm, I look forward to watching it um, and reading about it at the center square. Dan, we've um, spent a fair amount of time on this uh, on, on, on COVID-19, is there anything else that's going on uh, in the news that, um, you know, that, that we should sort of pull out from underneath this cloud? Uh, Tom Brady is no longer a New England Patriot. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty earth shattering. I, 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 <laughs> I, 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 agree with, I agree with that being, uh, being interesting and relevant and actually sort of almost like a nice diversion. I'm hopeful that people. It wasn't nice. It was actually something to spot, talk about in the sports world. That was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's the world without sports is, has been has been challenging. I mean, um, you know, uh, certainly a world without theater, a world without uh, musical acts, uh, a world without getting together in 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 social spaces has been a different place for for many of us. Um, and my hope is that in a relatively short period of time, we can we can get through this and we can get back to you know, enjoying all the great things that we have uh, here in, in the United States and and certainly uh, some of the better things that we have available to us here in Illinois. Same here. Let's just wrap it up there. Dan, appreciate it. This is Chris Krug for Dan McCaleb. You've been listening to Illinois in Focus on the Center Square. Let's just wrap it up there. For Dan McCaleb, it's been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the Illinois in Focus podcast powered by the Center Square now over to Cole Lauterbach for a look at what the Center Square will be working on next week. Hint, hint, more COVID-19 to come. <laughs> next week, we'll explore how regulations deemed necessary are being shed in response to COVID-19, how Illinoisans are altering their everyday lives in response to the virus, and whether or not lawmakers will be able to meet a number of deadlines they've set for themselves in state law when they're forbidden from convening due to Governor J.B. Pritzker's crowd restrictions. This has been Illinois in Focus. You can find more stories and commentary online at thecentersquare.com. I'm Cole Lauterbach.